Hello everyone. Well, it's been a week and as promised, we are back with our latest episode of Fact of the Matter, our weekly pod where we'll share a few stories, dig out news items which some might say are quite odd, get to the root of a few choice words and phrases, and as always play a few mind games by chucking a few very dodgy questions at each other. A wise man had once said, I think the more things change, the more they remain the same. Well, I'm glad to say we are still the same. I am Ratan Basu and with me is my partner in crime, Joy Bhattacharya. We are both sports media professionals who love stories, trivia, gossip, biryani with potatoes though, Calcutta style, patently apocryphal anecdotes and very, very uh, prone to putting each other into impossible situations like the one I will do to Joy right now. Joy, um, I heard on the grapevine that you are recently become a very big fan of a sport called chess boxing. But first, how are you? I'm very good and uh, chess boxing. <laughs> I know very, very little about chess boxing. The only thing I know is that apparently chess boxing is popular in India as well. I have not met a single person who's involved in this game, but I think these are these apocryphal stories that I put up on Wikipedia just to make sure that people, you know, look at it. Because I cannot believe, I haven't met a single Indian who's interested in chess boxing. I know from a very good friend of mine, Indrajit Hazra, that um, there is a headquarter office of chess boxing somewhere in Calcutta. But my biggest question is, do you chess first or do you box first? Apparently, you box a bit, then go back for one move, three minutes of boxing, three minutes of chess, one minute of break. It's quite, a, it's quite something. <laughs> Un unbelievable. Well, anyway, um, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll cover that later. So, what are we doing this week? This week in uh, main course, our first first section, we will take off Branson style and discuss a few stories around space and whether it still is the final frontier. Then in the believe it or not section, Joy and I will try and trump each other with some incredible news stories. We shall then swiftly move into cute words and phrases where we'll try and find out how you know misbehaving folks get their generic names and as always end with bare naked lies where we'll ask each other true or false facts and try and catch each other out and of course we'll end with a special question for you listeners and announce the winners of last week's quiz so we'll move immediately into our main topic which we call main course so what are we focusing on this week this week we are going to talk of space sir richard branson after nearly 17 years of you know, developing Virgin Galactic, achieved his dream and actually as a civilian reached space last Sunday. He said, I've dreamt of this moment since I was a kid and honestly nothing could prepare you for the view of Earth from space. So the company's spacecraft, VSS Unity, launched above the skies of New Mexico with two pilots guiding the vehicle, carrying the billionaire founder and three Virgin Galactic employees. This heralds the start of a new space race with uh, Jeff Bezos of, Am of uh, the ex-chairman of Amazon or ex-CEO of Amazon, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, he has his Blue Origin concept where he's also planning to uh, start a civilian flight to space. But this is what we are going to talk about this week. This was a fantastic, fantastic piece of news which happened, which, um, which, which gained obviously worldwide attention. So Joy, did you manage to catch a little bit of this on TV or on the internet? I was just wondering, we were looking at uh, Richard Branson's video and he decided to cycle in. Well, the one thing that he would have missed if he was doing this, say, in Russia or 
you know, former Soviet Union was that in those days they drive a truck in and before, just after they got off the truck to get onto the spacecraft, Russian cosmonauts, and they call them cosmonauts like we call them astronauts, would routinely pee on the tire of the truck or the bus that they're coming what? And if, yeah, it's a, and it's a tradition because Yuri Gagarin, when he went for his first flight, he had to go, you know, he was, you know, that was the first ever human in space, April 1261. He had to go, so he does it. So now what happens? Think about it. They're Russian female cosmonauts as well. And now it's not that easy for a female to get off and just so Russian female cosmonauts have been known to carry vials of pee so that they quickly throw a vial of pee, some pee on the car tire, on the bus tire for good luck before they get onto the flight. So it's amazing. I mean, how this tradition and this has happened as late as 2019. My right? They still do it. The Russians still do it. I mean, I, it's it sounds disgusting at a certain level. Um, it reminds me of um, a, a very famous quiz master in Calcutta in one of our college quizzes, uh, who you should, you can probably guess and listeners who follow Calcutta quizzing might also guess, who had once taken out a similar vial with some strange yellow fluid in the middle of a uh, guess what it is round and the answer was uh, sweat from uh, Pele uh, accumulated after the 1970 <laughs> World Cup final. Uh, I, I don't believe that. I... <laughs> yeah, so it, this sounds exactly like that. I mean, P, Valentina Tereshkova, you know, uh, chucking P at the, at, 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 at the bottom of a space ship. Um, incredible, but hey, that's what space is all about. Well, that was uh, quite a bit of uh, uh, urine therapy, if I might say, Joy. And uh, I'm sure there must be many such superstitions or quirky eccentric behaviors uh, amongst astronauts or people who are flying into space, which could then form um, yet another, uh, you know, a, a title story for us someday, maybe. I have a different story today. My story initially was a myth, which got dispelled. And today I shall try to shine some light on what the reality was. Uh, during the height of the space race, and Today, we have a space race going on between Jeff Bezos and uh, Richard Branson, which Branson has sort of beaten Bezos to it. So Blue Origin, Wizovy, uh, Virgin Galactic. But the initial space race was in the 1960s. And legend has it that NASA scientists realized that, you know, pens could not function easily in space. So they needed to figure out another way to uh, let astronauts write things down. So they spent years and years and lots of taxpayer, taxpayer money to develop a pen. Uh, and their crafty Soviet counterparts, apparently, as the story goes, simply handed their cosmonauts pencils. But this is a myth. It's not true at all. Originally, um, NASA astronauts, like the Soviet cosmonauts, used pencils. But um, this became a bit dicey and not the best choice because the tips could flake off or break off and drift in microgravity where they could potentially harm an astronaut and pencils are flammable. So something which NASA wanted to avoid at all costs. So a guy called Paul C. Fisher and his company, the Fisher Pen Company, reportedly invested $1 million in those days and created what is now commonly known as the space pen. Now, none of this investment initial, what we call seed fund, if you were uh, to use today's terms, came from NASA's coffers. So this was Fisher who patented a pen that could write upside down in frigid conditions or, or high temperatures and even underwater or in other liquids. And uh, this anti-gravity space pen was given by Fisher in, in the mid 60s to NASA. 
and the agency started using it in 1967 after testing it extensively. And the funny part is even the Russians started using these pens. So uh, the Soviet Union had actually ordered 100 pens and 1,000 ink cartridges to use on their Soyuz space mission. So a uh, fantastic story, Russians using pencils and you know putting one over the Americans, but yeah. that's not true. They actually work together. In fact, if you see the film Three Idiots, which is one of my favorite films, right at the end, Viru Sahasrabuddha goes through this whole thing saying that, you know, you were wrong. You asked me that question, but you know what? We really needed this pen because pencils break up. And apparently Russian cosmonauts are still using it. And uh, I mean, that's it. It's a private investment, which they did just for getting things together. But, you know, space has all these things which were supposed to make history and we don't know. Do you know that the Apollo 11 landings were 18 seconds from disaster. The right. original, the amount of fuel they had to originally land, they couldn't land at this place because suddenly they found huge boulders the size of cars. So the car, the, the Apollo landing craft couldn't land. So they had to move four miles to one side and then try and land. And this guy is sitting out there and the mission control is actually happening in Houston. So they, at Houston, somebody, Bob Carlton, who was the right. head of mission control, he's sitting out there and he's telling them how much time they have left. So there's literally counting them down and it reached 30 seconds and it came down to 18 seconds before they finally landed. So that's not the end of the story. So this guy's, this amazing mission has happened by 18 seconds, 18 seconds, seconds between them landing on the moon and coming back to earth. They would have never been managed to come back to earth if they hadn't managed to land in that time. And so Bob, Carlton goes back home and keeps that stopwatch with him very carefully with that 18 second there that you know, this was the 18 seconds. Three, four days that's... later, he goes and searches for, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's, so he that's... goes back and, yeah, stopwatches in those days. Can you imagine? That's how primitive it was. So not only that, the end of the story is that he goes <laughs> after three, four days to go and check his stopwatch and say, this is a historic stopwatch. This has the 18 seconds. This is a part of NASA. It's a part of space history. And he goes there and it sees the time has changed to 27, 28 seconds. He's wondering what has happened. It turns out his daughters were practicing dancing, twirling, they call it. And she had used the stopwatch and that timing was lost. <laughs> that's excellent. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, so just to, just to add to that, I mean, funnily enough now with, with space losing its, uh, uh, you know, the, the sort of aura which it had of being, uh, approachable or being reachable to only a select few. Richard Branson's flight uh, has launched the world's first commercial space line, which is their tagline. And for, you know, 200 to 250,000 US dollars, um, any civilian, anybody can actually book a, a seat on the next flights. And, you know, some of these tickets are already up there. Uh, however, it's not yet available to public, but apparently it's all in the pipeline. Um, so, hey, you never know, this could actually uh, start a new way of going on a holiday. And uh, we can go on and on. I'm sure there are some very interesting uh, nuggets and anecdotes and, you know, uh, you know, more exciting escapades about people who have ventured into space. And we shall try and see if we can come back to some of these going forward. Well, the space race is once again well and truly on. Um, whether it's going to be Richard Branson and his uh, spacecraft or whether will it be Jeff Bezos and Blue Origin or whether somebody else will come in or some other country will come in, only time will tell. What we can say with a reasonable amount of assurance 
is that people will no longer be looking at astronauts with that same way of reverence because now for um, maybe uh, 250,000 US dollars, you could book yourself a seat very soon on the next flight. With that, we will now move into our next section, which is, believe it or not, where we shall have Joy and me try to impress you with some really weird and spooky news items. And Joy, will you kick us off with something this week? Yeah, so I'm not going to kick you off. I'm going to claw you off probably. So right now, the latest story is that in there's a COVID shelter in Chhatarpur in Delhi. And which is right. run by the Indo-Tibetan border police. Okay. And they have, there's been a huge menace of rhesus monkeys. So they couldn't get scarecrows. So they've put strategically paced cutouts of langurs. So they have big, big photographs of langurs all over the place okay. to scare off the rhesus monkeys. And now this has a great history. Originally, till about 15, 20 years back, whenever there was a monkey menace in Delhi, they used to bring langurs to chase away the monkeys. Even today? Even today? No. So in 2014, the environment ministry has turned around and said, you cannot use langurs for this purpose. So after that, what they've had to do is they've had to have men wearing langur costumes, scaring away people, scaring away these <laughs> monkeys. And after a while, the monkeys caught on. And after that, these human langurs are no longer effective. So they were given rubber bullet guns. So can you imagine somebody in a langur costume with a rubber bullet gun is going around chasing monkeys in Delhi? I mean, that's how it is. Now it's the menaces come back again. And, you know, all these battles I'm watching, you know, rat armies, monkey armies, you know, nature is healing the flora, flora and fauna. They're Ooh. all healing and they're waiting to come back. You, I mean, you've just given me cause for worry because uh, I distinctly remember when there was a monkey menace a couple of years back, there was a man who came with a langur. He didn't have a gun with rubber bullets, but if you're saying he was a human being, he I mean, he had a rope tied around his neck. He was being led by a handler. That's that's some crazy relationship, you know. Um, I, I would I would definitely be a bit worried about that. I mean, uh, langurs are not allowed since 2014. So either you're either you're dealing in the illegal langur trade, or that's a manual sword trade. So from rat armies to langurs. So I don't know whether I can trump that, but um, this week, my story is actually uh, quite fascinating. This week, um, I'm going to talk about a guy whose name is Bill Wise. And Bill Wise came to prominence when he appeared in the CBS, the Fox uh, CBS sto uh, show called Hannity, which is very famous. And uh, he actually claimed something sensational. He said that for 23 minutes once in 1998, when he woke up in the middle of the night to get a drink, he had an out-of-body experience. He said he was pulled from his body and then dragged to, believe it or not, hell through a long dark tunnel. He said it was getting hotter and I landed on a stone floor in a prison cell in hell. There were stone walls, bars, which made it more like a dungeon a filthy, stinking, smoke-filled dungeon. I mean, he could apparently smell everything. The spooky encounter uh, happened, as I said, in November in 1998. And believe it or not, he has since then penned a book about this ordeal, selling over a million copies. The book is called, it's a New York Times bestseller. I worry about the New York Times sometimes. It's called 23 Minutes in Hell. And it has a follow-up book called 23 Questions About Hell, Everything You Want and Need to Know. 
Now, this is an incredible story. In a discussion later, and, and especially vis-a-vis Hannity, he also said that the heat was so unbearable. He wondered, how could I be alive? Why am I here? And he wasn't alone. He claimed he met two enormous demons with a ferocious demeanor in the prison cell. And they were pacing around and blaspheming. And then they directed this hatred they had towards God, towards me. One demon picked me up and threw me into the wall of the cell. I felt as if bones had broken. This is an actual TV story. Unbelievable. Bloody hell is all of that I can say. Uh, either, either that or it's more likely to be uh, one of the more interesting Harvard parties that George Bush used to attend in his time where they really used to have a crazy time of it. So I think he was just stoned out of his mind and went to one of those parties. And But look, if we went to one of those parties, all we'll have for, to show for it is a hangover and a really, really bad headache. What does this guy have? He has a million selling book, which only goes to show, I don't know what heaven or hell, but there's certainly a sucker born every minute. Absolutely. I mean, I, you, you mentioned P.T. Barnum's famous, famous quote. And I'm thinking, you know, I always thought Hannity was quite crazy, actually. And I always thought whether he did it deliberately to, you know, uh, reach out to a certain section of the audience who probably believe in this. But after this story, Joy, I'm really worried about Hannity. I mean, somebody, you know, needs to speak to him and, and tell him to figure out whether doing these stories actually gives him salvation or not. I don't know. Do you? I have no idea of what American television is about. It is, it's the last frontier. It is not space is not the final frontier. American reality television is. Okay. So um, that's, that's our uh, believe it or not section this week. And uh, we will, we will take uh, a few seconds here to talk about the fact that our show fact of the matter or our pod fact of the matter is now available on all big uh, podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts. So please feel free to uh, listen to us by going to these platforms. You can also write to us at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. Like always, you can give us suggestions. Uh, you can give us topics which you would like us to discuss. You can, uh, of course, use this to answer our contest questions as well. So right back to us. We are looking forward to hearing from you. And when we come back, we shall discuss some very interesting words and phrases, like always, and try and make sense of some new nuggets which have come into the English language. Hello and welcome back. So as promised, we will now talk about a few interesting words and phrases which have come into the English language and how they originated. And without wasting any further time, over to you, Joy. Well, uh, as you can make out in the last few weeks, we've had the Euro tournament final and therefore oh. for inspiration, I think one of the words that is very, very, <laughs> one of the words that's very common that we're hearing for a long time now is of course, hooliganisms, hoodlums, hooligans, and the like. So obviously the English have not done them any favor, themselves any favors in this regard. But uh, I was thinking of a related word, which, you know, I didn't really know what it was. And that's vandals. Now, so but, but before, you, but before you move, Joy, I would just like to clarify one thing, which is when you say that the English have not 
done themselves any favors. It's a small section of, you know, uh, very, very sophisticated assholes who have done that. There's a large part of the British football-loving population and the general population who have actually condemned what has happened significantly. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry, carry on. Just no, no, not, not at all. And, I, and I, look, I, I agree with you. I just need, I feel that they need to be stricter measures against them. Absolutely. During, you know, Premier League matches as well. Otherwise, this is going to happen every time they go outside. Absolutely. You know, maybe 10 people or 100 people or 1,000 people, but even 10,000 people, but 10,000 people cannot, a country of many millions can't allow 10,000 people to, you know, spoil their name. But anyway, carry on. Just yeah. talking about the, yeah, yeah, talking about the Vandals, you know. Uh, you know, the Vandals were originally a Germanic tribe. And they were a Germanic tribe who were actually, they were friends with the Romans. The Romans used to use them because they were a very powerful tribe to go and conquer other places. And then at some point in time, they turned around and they turned on the Romans themselves. You know, the things happened, you know, the relationship got sour. So for 14 days, they got in and they plundered Rome. Wow. And they plundered it so much that, you know, the word for, you know, completely defacing a place and, you know, completely finishing everything out there has become vandalism. It's come from there. So Vandals come from the Vandal tribe of Germany, which basically laid waste to Rome for 14 days. So in the future, if somebody calls me a Vandal, I should stand up and feel extremely proud. I mean, I should imagine in my mind, a man who's six feet, four inches, very strongly built, uh, wears a helmet, has a slightly rusty sword or a spear or something which you can throw and, uh, you know, uh, is extremely uh, sexy, uh, macho and very smelly. Could that be right? Sexy, macho, smelly, I don't know about, but yeah, they used to be big, strong guys and they were a very powerful. Army. Not so to be, right. not to be messed with. <laughs> <laughs> not to be messed with. Okay. You mentioned... Um, you know, hooligans and hoodlums. Very interestingly, my word for today is actually hoodlum. And uh, I have a very, very uh, interesting feedback on the origin of the word hoodlum. One of them, so there are three, three theories. I'll give you the boring ones. The, the Probably the most boring one comes from San Francisco, which in the early years of San Francisco in the, in the late 1800s, they say that you know, many Germans living in the city simply mispronounced the Bavarian word called Hodalump, which also means a hoodlum or a, or a vagrant or, you know, somebody who was misbehaving, etc. So that that's like one theory. A second theory says it comes from the pidgin English word. Remember, there was a lot of Chinese immigration, uh, which happened uh, in to San Francisco uh, from the pidgin English word hoodlanti, which means very lazy Mandarin right? This was the second theory behind the word hoodlum. However, my favorite is the third theory, which is that there was a, a very famous thug in San Francisco, and he was a leader amongst thugs called Muldoon, an Irishman called Muldoon. And a, a fearful reporter, fearful reporter? Reporter should not be fearful. Anyways, writing about him in the year 1877, um, wrote a very, very interesting article spelling out all the negative things Mr. Muldoon did, but then he developed cold feet and decided to spell the name backwards. So Muldoon became Noodlum. And the guy who was compositing or creating the page mistook the N for an H and Noodlum became Hoodlum. This, I think, takes the cake. 
Imagine Mr. Muldoon opening the paper if he was literate and actually read newspapers before going for his morning constitutional bashing people around. Um, reading a Mr. Hoodlum doing all these activities, wouldn't Muldoon be worried that, oh God, I have a rival and I'm not even aware of it and, and the media is writing about it. I, I just want to know, uh, I think if Muldoon had reached as far as he did, I just want to know what happened to the journalist after that, because that man does not sound as if he's filled with the milk of human kindness. I... But you know, there's one more. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you fear for him as well. Yeah, yes, know. yes. But you know, there's one other word that I was thinking about. And you know, the most common word when we come to this is barbarian. So and so is a barbarian. So I looked up barbarian. You know, what exactly is a barbarian? And almost basically it was used by Greeks to refer to anyone else who didn't speak Greek. So they called Persians barbarians, they called Egyptians barbarians, they called Medes barbarians, they called Phoenicians barbarians. Anyone who's not did not speak Greek was a barbarian. Because right. the word barbaros means babbler. You know, somebody who babbles. So you, so you don't understand. Right. The beautiful part of it is not that. The beautiful part of it is even the Sanskrit word. There's a Sanskrit word called barbara. Okay, right. which means stammering, which is exactly the same thing. And if you notice in Hindi, we often use this word. Correct. He was stammering. I couldn't understand what he was saying. Correct. And that has the same root as barbarian. Basically, anything you say, if I don't understand it, you are a barbarian. So I just how fascinating how Greek, Sanskrit all connects up together. It's, it's so, absolutely amazing. So basically what you're saying is India is a land full of barbarians even today. Because if you put a Delhiite in uh, Egmore railway station, Chennai, and if he starts uh, talking in Hindi, chances are that uh, a, 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 a local Tamilian might actually say he's a barbarian. And vice versa, if he yeah. listens to the fluent Tamil and is not aware. And I can think of if I'm if I land up in, let's say, a Mizoram or let's say Kerala and I hear somebody speaking in Malayalam or in, you know, the Mizo tongue, I wouldn't have a clue what they're talking about. So technically, I'm a barbarian in those places. So we are all barbarians. Call me Conan. <laughs> to them, yeah, you need to be about two inches, yeah. six inches taller, and you know, I don't know. I'm on this, just a little bit more muscle. I'm on this very strong, as you can see, muscle, macho, smelly streak today. It's after all, you know, yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's, it's that time of the day, I guess. Anyways, that was fantastic. That was a brilliant, brilliant uh, uh, section. Uh, Joy, thank you for that. And uh, we now get into the slightly harder action stuff. So we are moving into our next section called Bare Naked Lies, where we'll each test each other with one question. And my question for you, Joy, if I can kickstart, is this. There is a moon called Triton, T-R-I-T-O-N, which belongs to the planet Neptune. And this is the only large moon in our solar system which actually orbits the planet Neptune backwards. All other moons orbit in one particular direction. However, Triton is the only moon which orbits the planet backwards, as in the other way around. True or false? Yeah, I thought the planet Neptune had a dead retrograde motion, not the moon Triton. I thought the planet Neptune moved backwards rather than the moon Triton. So I'm saying false. No, it's true. It is. Triton is Have the... Have I mixed up Triton? How did I mix it up? Yeah. 
<laughs> I knew that something was a something associated with Neptune had a retrograde motion. But okay. with that, with that, so I'm so sorry. You've just <laughs> become your your status in uh, you know Virgin Galactic's ne next space flight has moved from CNF to RAC one, reserved against cancellation <laughs> one. You've just dropped one spot for your complete lack of depth around motions of moons. No, no, <laughs> Yes, this I think. Joy, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I knew there was something retrograde. Uh, yeah, you got me. You got me. I don't know how you got me, but you got me. You shouldn't have okay. got me on that. I should have found. Okay, it's okay I have turn. a question for you. Yes, bring it on. Okay, the Philippines. Okay. Okay. During the time of war, all all the Philippines does to declare that they are in in the state of war is they turn their flag the other way around. So normally they have the blue on top and the red below. When right. they go to war, they just turn it around. The red is on top. There's violence on top. The blue is below. And that's their war flag. So they just turn their flag around to show that they're at war. So if you look at a Philippines flag, you can make out if they're at war or not. I mean, I would think any country who would do that is actually trying to keep an escape option. Because if they finally lose the battle or they think they're losing the battle, they can actually go and say, Sorry, that's not us. That's another country's flag you are fighting with. Because our flag is the other way around. This is our flag. We made a mistake. I mean, you're making a mistake. We don't want to fight. You guys are good. So anyways, to answer your question, I would say, however weird it sounds, I somehow think it's true, Joy. Is it true? Oh, you got me. It is true. It is <laughs> true. And this has been there from the first was second world war onwards and they've wow. always had this and why famous famous thing I, I, I think the whole idea is that i because they've had a lot of these individual internecine wars and after that you know they got their independence from the americans they became an american territory then the japanese came and took over so i think they decided that you know they we go to war so often a lot of countries have a separate war flag they said we don't want a war flag we just have fight too many wars let's just turn it around and put it and I was thinking about that, that, you know, if you, you look at it, there's a, the other exciting part about it is that we have a national flag like Mozambique, which actually has an AK-47 rifle. Rifle. That's true. That's true. And I thought that's a bit over the top, isn't it? I mean, for a country to be, you know, maybe democratic, maybe at peace, maybe trying to develop yourself economically and, and in other ways, and suddenly you go with a flag which has an AK-47. Maybe it represents yeah. Uh, independence. Yeah, yeah. They, they say, yeah, they, they, they say it represents their freedom struggle, but yeah, mm. I think it's a bit of a fetch. And if I was Kalashnikov, I would have taken money for that. I would have taken that. That's my brand logo. It's like putting a Nike swoosh on top of a flag. That's mine. Oh, fantastic. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. But before we go, a special treat for listeners, like always, we will now have a single quiz question, which we leave you with. Before we give out that question, a special shout out to Tapas Tiwari, who correctly answered last week's question. Last week's question was, from which language or country do these three words originate? The three words were Nani, Pawarchi, and Korma, Nani, Bawachi, and Korma. The right answer is Turkish. The country is Turkey. And uh, Tapas, very well done. And for this week's question, it's over to Joy. And this week's question is, uh, again, it's a, it's a hat tip to Kolkata in a way, but I won't tell you how it is. What specifically was started in Japan in 1869 
following the repealing of a ban after the Tokugawa dynasty was overthrown and became hugely popular first in Shimla and subsequently most Indian cities by the beginning of the 20th century. Okay, that's a very interesting question, Joy, and I think I have an answer. But um, if you want to give this answer, you need to send us an email at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. Write into us, put a subject matter which says answer quiz question or answer quiz, which should be good enough. And next week, we shall tell you who all have answered this question correctly. Thank you so much. It's been a delightful half an hour. Thank you, Joy. And we promise to come back next week with more anecdotes, more stories, more you know, news articles, and more interesting questions for all of you. Happy listening and have a great day.